to predictability the milkman the paperboy express in the galaxy oh, okay. hey everybody say, I don't even know where this one's going it's the it's the full house song but uh th- w- today we're not talking about full house we're talking about galaxy express 999 wow i did this might be the roughest this. one you've ever done <laughs> yeah this, this was is real like a, <laughs> i came in audio poison i came in hella hot and uh, it just got warmer from there. Hi, everybody. Welcome to I Think You'd Be Into It, the podcast about your faves. I'm your host, Brandon Beck. Fuck my life. Well, yeah, I'm your other host, Beth Scorzato. And this week, as our guest, we have the uh, incomparable, you know, uh, patron saint of friendship, Dominique Johnson. Welcome. What up? I'm fucking incomparable. The patron There's no yeah. comparison to me. Patron saint of friendship. Patron saint of friendship. Yeah, none of your bits are working today, babe. I know. I hate it's to bad. break it to you. It sucks. It's real bad. You'll, you'll find a good one. I, I'm sure of it. Before I hope so. Finish, you'll you'll find a good faith, bit. We have faith in you. I hope so. Otherwise, I'm going to get canned from this show. I'm, I'm sure of it. I mean, I'm not going to start editing them, so. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I would wish that on anyone. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, welcome. We are here today to discuss uh, anime, movie, slash TV series, but mostly movie, Galaxy Express 3-9, as we were discussing before the show, that it yeah, is not 999, yeah, uh, because a nerd once corrected you. Yeah, I used to say 999, too, because that's the way it's written, but and she yeah. was very pretty, and she said, no, it's 3-9, so I never forgot that, and now I correct <laughs> other people. That Which is, is satisfying on its own. Yeah. Ugh, but before we get into that, uh, Brandon, do you have a thing you're into this week? Uh, yeah, I do, actually. Um, I am into, this week, the new Tim Heidecker track. It's called Fear of Death, um, and it's, 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 it's pretty much shot itself straight into my soul um, because it's all about uh, panicking about dying, uh, so, like, overworking yourself. Um, it has like a, uh, very like seventies, Neil Young, crazy horse vibe, uh, which there was a little bit of that on his last record. Uh, but this is kind of just kind of pushes it forward. Um, and I know like people can take or leave the whole Tim and Eric thing and that's fine. I get that. I believe um, it. He's a really good musician and like super solid songwriter. His albums are incredible. I think his second album uh is a fucking like just a perfect breakup album might be top five breakup albums of all time it's just fucking brilliant i listen to that shit all the time oh yeah it rules nice well then there you go dom do you have anything you're into this week uh yeah i'm into uh trying to convince people that the nfl is not gonna happen so they need to start pick a soccer team. <laughs> That's true. Fucking yeah. start watching golf or something because the NFL is not going to start. 
And if it does, it's certainly not going to finish. Yeah. You can get into and, the uh, It's not going to be good either. No, nope. it's good. It's going to be fucking terrible. It's going to get canceled. So I'm not getting my hopes up. I've already picked my soccer team. I'm fucking good to go. Go Chelsea. Who are you going with? Chelsea? Chelsea, baby. Yeah. All right. All right. Respectful. You, you could get, uh, you get really into the marble league. I mean, that's just that. That's that's like ironic sports. I want to watch sports. Sports. I don't know. We've gotten really fucking into the Marble League uh, events we've watched. I mean, but do you like yeah. sports though? He does. He does not. I do. No, I, I get less. I more. What I get into about them is that like halfway through, I'll just be looking at them and being like, "Man, this commentator's really good. He's got me excited about something that I know is just physics." Yeah. It's more right. that the commentator is really good and like very committed to the bit. So it's like oh, a yeah. fun show. Yeah, it's it's enjoyable. His commitment to it is enjoyable. Fair Though enough. it does raise the question, in in the fiction, is he a human or is he a marble? A marble. I think he's a marble. Yeah, because he says sense. he's up in the commentator box. Right. But I didn't know if he was the commentator box could be human sized and he could just be like a titan to these uh, marble people. No, I think he's a marble person. Yeah, you're probably right. Yeah, humans and... commentate human sports. Marbles yeah, commentate exactly. marble sports. Marble sports. There you go. Fair. Yeah. Oh, I'm into petting this cat right now. Sorry. You're that's... always into petting that cat. I know. I know. Uh, no, this week, actually, I'm into the uh, book four of uh, the Diviners series by Libba Bray. I just read it over the past two days. So that's right, babe. I did finish it before I ate dinner. Um, and... Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, it's a book. It's a series that I mean, I remember reading the galley of the first book when we were on a cruise for our, our six year anniversary and we're coming up on 13 here. So really? I have been reading this series for seven years. What kind <laughs> of like us? Uh... Like books are they? Like is it science fiction or is it just? Yeah, so it's a it's a young adult series, um, and it takes place in the twenties, and it's got like spooky shit in it but the, the thing i like about libra bray is i don't really i don't like scary stories i don't like horror movies um but this is the second series of hers that i have read in its entirety and she writes really fucking scary like ghost stories all her stories are at their core ghost stories um and i have never been like more scared like reading doesn't typically scare me seeing things scare me but like she is a really great ghost story writer and she writes these like very unnerving powerful like emotional scenes and i don't know but it was the last book of the series that i've been reading for seven years and it is finally wrapped up and it was um it was a satisfying ending i enjoyed so it's it like it's like goosebumps mm, no but so, so basically you've been reading goosebumps is what i'm sounds like she's been reading goosebumps yeah all right sure i never got into goosebumps when i was you're, a kid but you're reading it i i you're, you're reading it now is kind what me of and, but not what really me and Brandon are trying if, to express if, yeah. If one volume of Goosebumps was 500 pages, then yes. That was about standard. <laughs> I mean, the Goosebumps that I used to read were yeah. 500 minimum. Yeah, my, my Neighbor is a Dracula was like, I think, <laughs> $7.50. <laughs> All right, then, sure. I'm reading Goosebumps. <laughs> my Neighbor is a Dracula. <laughs> yeah. That's Her previous series was me. Rebel Angels, and this one was The Diviners. And anyway, I can recommend them both, but yeah, you got to be uh, okay with very thick books. <laughs> My assistant principal is a swamp thing. Are you looking them up now, or are you just making no, them up? No, th those are just off the dome, baby. <laughs> oh, well then. <laughs> nice. 
Well, why don't we instead talk about uh, my train is a space train? Yes, my train oh, is a space train. You guys a are pros. and frivolous adventures of an eight-year-old on his quest for mortality. <laughs> Vengeance, actually. Uh, Vengeance and immortality, yeah. And immortality. I really think he's like 12. I don't know why you keep saying he's eight. Because <laughs> it makes the kiss at the end grosser. No, I need that. I need him to be minimum 12 for that to be not as bad as it is. <laughs> nah, yeah, it's real bad. he's like six. Uh, it's bad. Ooh. It's so bad. Anyway, though, the movie's not bad. That can walk. The movie's not bad. Let's go back and pretend to our audience that we're here to talk about this thing that you enjoy. Why I dumb? Do why Why Galaxy 3 9? Express uh, 3 9. It's, it's, uh, I, I was speaking uh, over chat with uh, Brandon about this briefly. And it's not even like I, I told him, don't bother watching the uh, like the TV shows. You can watch the sequel if you want. You don't need to. Um, there's like a whole manga series and TV shows and spinoffs and all this other shit that I have no interest in. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that this was the first anime that I saw when I was in high school that like kept my attention that wasn't uh, just like people fighting. So it wasn't Ninja Scroll. It wasn't fucking Dragon Ball Z. But it was like, an actual movie, but it was an anime. So yeah. I always tell people to like, like, what's an anime I should watch if I want to get into it? I'm like, watch that one because you don't have to worry about like weird tropey anime stuff. You can just watch it as a yeah. movie. And I think still like, like, Oh, is this what anime is? And it kind of is. And it kind of isn't. And yeah, there are many very anime ass things about it. Uh, oh yeah. Sure. This is absolutely paced like the fact that it is a condensed version of a season of an anime. That's what I loved about it. As we were starting to watch it, because about like 20 minutes in, I was like, this is the most wildly paced movie I have ever seen. <laughs> and so he looked it up and he was like, oh, it uh, it, it turns out that this like is the storyline that condenses the first season of the show. And I was like, well, that would explain the wild pacing choice. I fucking, I, I just got done watching it like probably 20 minutes before we jumped on this. Yeah, we finished uh, it like two hours ago. Yeah. And so I was watching it and I was like, this is so fucking rad. Like there, there's, there's no fat in this plot he says he's gonna do something and he fucking does it and then fucking moves on i'm like this is incredible yeah yeah, yeah. it's also incredibly it, japanese it is in that like one of the things brandon pointed out about it was he said like when they first get on the train and and he's like yeah if you don't get back on the train then we'll leave you there to die and i just started <laughs> laughing because i was like that's so metal Brandon was like oh, yeah. that's so japanese that the train running on time is more important than a person he's like look you can come but like beer, so either you hear or you ain't. Don't matter yeah. to me. Like, I like look, you. I'm just a formless void wearing a a, a coat. Like you, <laughs> you, you do it. You do you. But we're not waiting. I'm a, I'm a train guy. I don't leave the train. Okay, so I don't care who else is on the train because I'm a train guy. See, my mistake was as we were watching it, I was also working. So I would occasionally look down and then have missed a subtitle and look back up and was like, wait what the fuck is happening? And occasionally I would do that and then I would make Brandon rewind and it turned out I hadn't missed anything. I just don't understand what's happening. Um, but it, it's, I, it I is, mean, there though. There are it's jumps. Like, that, yeah, there are like yeah. huge jumps in time and logic that I'm just like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. Like, they make they make a point, 
when they get to Titan, they make the point that they're going to be there for 16 days, and then it feels like they're there for, like, 12 hours. Six hours, yeah. But then they also make a point immediately after to say, oh, but by the way, time moves differently. So uh, you might not feel like six. I was like, all right, you know, you pointed it out and you did it. Good on you, Galaxy Express writer. Fair. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's just. Yeah, it was it was it was it was impressive the ways that they explained their way out of things but like it did make sense in the world like it's actually you're right it's incredibly tightly well written despite my like initial like this pacing is wild it was just because it wasn't what i was expecting out of a movie yeah and it wasn't it's not a lot of yeah exposit like things get explained as quickly and succinctly as they can without having to go on like monologues and shit and a lot of that then also kind of it, they explain it as as quickly and succinctly as they can, but they also leave out whatever they think you don't need to know. And so I'm the kind of person who was like, wait, but we're missing all this information. And the movie was like, fuck you. No, you're not. You just don't need that information right now. Calm your American ass down and fucking wait. Calm your American tits. The, uh, the, the funniest uh, to me version of that is at the beginning when they first get to the train and he's like, well, how does it? And she's like, look, motherfucker, are you, are you satisfied? When she shows him the engine room and says yeah. a bunch of big words. <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. This explains all the She's like, it just looks need. like this. I don't know why it fucking matters. <laughs> like, can we go now? Although when they went in when they went into that room, all I could think was, oh, so this is the space snowpiercer. Because <laughs> that's what the fucking engine room looked like. Like the front of yeah, Snowpiercer. Damn, it's now I kind of wish Galaxy Express was like half Snowpiercer. Right? And the, it kind of my, is when it gets to Pluto. My favorite part of, of that whole section is the first time they take off. Uh, the train works exactly the same way as there was a sketch in the first episode of Jimmy Fallon's uh, late night show uh, after he took over for Conan mm-hmm. called Space Train, where it was uh, exactly that. It was him and De Niro on this train. De Niro was the conductor holding a lever that said earth and space and then he pulls the lever and then it cuts to a train just going up tracks through the galaxy and i was like oh just shooting off into space exactly the same way this does i was like oh they adapted the best sketch jimmy fallon ever did on late night into an anime 30 years before it happened hey they had to keep some semblance of what humans would recognize so they would take the train exactly yep. it's, it's all explained baby ain't no it plot is. holes in galaxy express i know it's wild ride that wave i mean that's not strictly true there are some there are some decisions that people make that defy explanation but that's not necessarily a plot hole <laughs> it's just a really weird choice and like uh, i like that all of the like d- aesthetic decisions for the train are to make it so people who are gonna die on it are comfortable <laughs> Yeah, that's fucking wild to me that the 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 whole the, the like the whole thing is just I want to die soon. Yeah. Like that's the whole like idea of getting on this fucking train. And I'm like, well, it's, it's a I death guess- train. You either get to the end and become a fucking robot or you die on the way. Yeah. I'm like yeah. just don't get on the train. Simple as that. And you have to pay like an absurd amount of money to even get on the train that's going to kill you. 
or or meet a robot lady who's also maybe your mom who will get you on for free. I mean, yeah. Though I mean, in fairness, Chitsuro had a fucking plan. He had a plan. That is going to go no matter what. And it did work. Uh, It just only worked to a point. Yeah. Um, we also can't, uh, you know, discuss this movie without talking about the fucking Time Castle. Time Castle. Every time it came up, he did that. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> that, shit, that, that, that might be, like, my favorite section of the movie, because since it, like, like you were saying earlier, it, it's pretty much a season condensed into a movie. So like the it's that's why there's a climax every 25 minutes. Yeah, it's very clearly defined. Literally a straight line between sections of it. Yeah, that whole section where he was like trying to uh, shoot uh, Count Mecca. I was like, this is just fucking insane. Like he he said he he gets there and he's like, I'm going to kill this dude. And then like 15 minutes later, my man is dead. Yeah, it's fucking fucking handles it. Fucking fucking handles it. The funny, the thing about this movie is that like everything we say about it is so wild, but then at its core, it's just kind of like a really intense, like metaphorical reflection on the nature of like life (laughs) and humanity and time and like the the things that connect us, like the pirates that, because even at the end, I was like, damn, there are a whole lot of people sure fucking willing to die for this kid. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but it's like it's about the things that connect us as humans. I I I oddly I took notes while we were watching this, um, and I wrote down the train is mortality. And everyone keeps missing their stops because they think they have all the time in the universe. And, like, every single stop they make is some sort of variation on that happening. Either people are, like, too excited to get, you know, to get going to, you know, turn into robots. Or people who are regretting it in some way because they had more they wanted to do. Um, That section with, uh, I don't remember her name, uh, the, the woman that they meet on Pluto... Uh, I felt oh, that that the... part was really af- affecting and like pretty pretty direct at the metaphor they were going for, but in a way that that worked. Yeah, like all the Pluto shit, I felt like was like probably the most like hitting the nail on the head with the the, the, the metaphor shit. Because like totally. people just kind of stop, and that's the one place that robots go back to. So it's like this weird like midpoint where like oh I can go visit my old human body. Ah, that was fun, wasn't it? <laughs> Too bad I'm a robot. It's so and weird like, that no like, one you enjoys can look at it being like it's a robot. Yearbook. And it, it it got me. One thing that got me was because uh, I felt like I got a very different view of it as a kid than I do now. Because now I'm watching it, I'm like, I could see like let's say that it, it like a year from now, oh, like fucking civil rights and all that shit goes great. And, and we got universal health care and people are more or less equal. And now you don't go broke from, you know, not being sick. I could see like rich white people being like, oh, health care is for everybody now. I don't even want that shit. Turn me into a robot. Yeah. And now oh, yeah. you got rich yeah. white people who are robots. And now motherfuckers are like, well, shit, I want to be a robot, too. And they like, nah, bro, you can't afford to train the three nine. 
shit like that like there's always a new fucking barrier that and that they say it's a oh but if you can get all the way to the end then you know it's it's like the american dream it's that idea of oh well if you can become a billionaire then everything at the end is easy well if you can get on the train and make it all the way to the end you get a free mecha body jokes on you it's as a part of this planet yeah you get to it's a fucking, fucking trick a boat yeah. now you're and just like, a yeah. fucking cog and like uh tetsuro's sort of drive to like you know i want to live forever uh, at such a young age has this sort of naivete to it that like you get the sense that he hasn't really fully well like, no but that's kind of it, which, that's which kind of what the movie ends up being about it's just a whole movie of a series of people trying to convince him to not become a robot but yeah. when you think about it like ultimately his goal was not to become a robot because he wanted to live forever it's because he thought that was the only way that he could kill this other dude but then you know Swamp Granny gives him the like one fucking robot killing gun and he's set. <laughs> yeah, with the power of friendship. Pretty much, yeah. Tired, that old know. man comes in and saves his ass. I told you to shoot before you get shot at. That that is like one of the anime tropes that I feel like is very there and very annoying. Just like the the little the little kid hero who can't just do what the fuck he's supposed to do. I want to see yeah. an anime where the motherfucker is like, all right, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a show up. I'm gonna shoot this dude, and that's gonna be it. Not yeah. oh fucking uh, may tell. Are you gonna fucking come with me? Oh no, you got no. I mean, just shoot, shoot the, shoot the monster who killed you, who killed your mom, and yeah. then deal with Maytel's ass. Nice. Yeah, halfway through the movie, Brandon <laughs> was like, "Okay, this chick's got to be a robot, right? Her li- her name is literally Metal." <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 so f- it's interesting how like to use a a unnecessarily big word and Decembris al- album title. It's interesting how picaresque this movie is because it's it's all of these just different little adventures that are so self contained that like. There's a climax to this movie every 25 minutes, which gives it this really weird narrative drive that almost uh, almost mimics the feeling of being on a train itself. What? what? Right? Oh. Right? Yeah. Yeah, and I don't even smoke weed, and I got that. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, funny enough, uh, <laughs> when the movie was... Uh, first starting and the train was first taken off and he's running through the city and there's all those cool colorful lights and we'll get back to that aesthetic brandon because i'm sure you have a lot to say about it but we're watching it and i'm like looking and the and the the intro music's playing and i was like i cannot believe dom does not smoke weed (laughs) yeah i was like he has a stoner's taste yeah i mean i like i I listen to crunchy jam band stuff yeah. Listen to jazz. I like fucking weird cartoons, but we were just talking about the new Trey Anastasio album the other day. Yeah. I, uh, I messed cause I, I didn't even know it was out. And then I, uh, I messaged you immediately and I messaged Jillian Dunn. I was like, so is this good? Like, what do you guys think? And then I then- heard you got a lecture from uh, Jillian on how it's not really the tab. Yeah. <laughs> she definitely let me know. She was like, eh, I don't know. <laughs> Like, it's fine, I guess, but it's not the Tranestasio band. Uh, I think it's just him. And I was like, uh, I think she's, like, mad at me now. 
she is, and I'm mad at you too. I'm mad at you. Shout out to Jillian. Shout out to Jillian Dunn, who I love dearly, and unshockingly, she was uh, the guest on the Jam Bands episode of this show. Mm Yeah, and she, you know, sometimes before all this shit started going, I'll go over her house. She she get high. I drink some beers, and we just fucking listen to jazz. Yeah, just fucking pet uh, galley dog and just fucking be drunk and just fucking veg out. She lives like two blocks away from us. Yeah, so it's perfect. One one of the first things we did, like within the first two weeks of quarantine, was the three of us uh, and another friend of ours watched an Oysterhead show. (laughs) Yeah. Like watched together or something like that. Yeah. Which was like just the most fun and the – that that can actually be a really fun like communal bonding experience in the world we live in now to just like watch a long thing in a group. Yeah, and we were like actually watching it. It was fucking yeah. It was like oh this oyster fuck look oysterhead look we can get back to the movie in a second, but yeah. fucking oysterhead fucking rules. Let's play yeah. full fucking rules. Come on now, I can listen Stuart to that Copeland. shit all day. Oh man, Bruh. I. I was at the previous Oysterhead performance because they they only come down from the mountain every so often. And the last gig they had played was in 2006 at Bonnaroo. And I didn't really know who Stuart Copeland was at that point. I think I maybe knew he had something to do with the police or something. But I was a, a young fool who was like the police that's the uh, sting like my mom likes sting i don't my, that. My, really quick <laughs> yeah, my oh, yeah. favorite story about my one of my favorite stories about my mom is when uh sting reunited uh when the police reunited at the grammys in like i don't know we had to be in high school uh and i was watching it and i got really excited and i remember my mom was working in the basement and i yelled down in the basement i was like come upstairs the police are playing and then she said, I don't know who that is. And I said, what do you mean that you don't know who that is? They were really big in the 80s. And she yells back up, I wasn't paying attention in the 80s. And that was the end of the conversation. And she did not come upstairs. She's <laughs> having too much fun. I get it. <laughs> I don't think that was the problem. <laughs> um, but I was I was at the last Oysterhead show. And I, I went in like, Tranastasia was one of my, if not my biggest creative hero. Les Claypool, one of the best bass players in the world. I didn't really know who this third dude was. And then they come out and suddenly Stuart Copeland is the most powerful drummer I've ever seen on stage. <laughs> and like playing circles around two absolute legends. Yeah, he's fucking like, I, bad. I should delve into this. And then I, I got uh, Regatta de Blanc and was like, oh, the police are the fucking greatest ska band that ever existed. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's not just the the three songs you hear on the old people radio stations. Yeah. It's like, oh shit, these and motherfuckers like, were like dope at the time. And like, don't like, get me you, wrong, you were cool if you listened to them. Oh yeah, like all all don't get me wrong, all fucks with some like dreams of the blue turtles and Sting's loot album, but like young Sting and young Stuart Copeland and uh, young Andy Summers were just like that. That band was such a powerful trio. That the the farther they got away from that, the less exciting I found them. I get that. I mean, when you start naming fucking songs and albums of turtles, you've <laughs> you've you've lost what you once had. Unless you're Sturgill Simpson and you start your record with a song called Turtles in the Clouds. I don't or, know. Uh, turtles on the his, way down. Is that from his new album? 
No, that's from uh, <laughs> Meta Modern Sounds and Country Music, my friend. Okay, because that was a good. I, I I don't like his new album. This is a different it's podcast fine. now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> though speaking of no, I was speaking, speaking of the music, music though. Yeah. Yeah, speaking of you guys, music, both had let's... thoughts on the on the music. <laughs> the music in this movie fucking rules. Um, I will. I can one hundred percent fuck with some like over dramatic seventies disco scoring, and that's all this movie had. <laughs> the the music definitely helps set the tone and the vibe because when because like the stories don't have anything like there's no, no. real connection. No. That was another thing Brandon said. In like the first the 10 minutes of the movie, he was like, this is the most dramatic scoring I've ever heard. Yeah. To, to quote helps. a Merlin Mann blog entry from 11 sure years does. ago, th- uh, those strings sound like they're ready to invade Poland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, very Philip Glass. Um, but like, it was like it, it was up until the very end. The cre- Okay, the, the, mu- the music on the opening and closing credits is the most like tonally different from the rest of the movie it (laughs) is and this is what i think because i haven't again i'm not like obsessed with the movie so like when i was in high school this was just the thing that i liked that was very different from everything else that i liked in my life so i was like oh i like this movie and i'm gonna keep watching it but I, I i never like paid attention to like the the songs that much i always recognized like the score was kind of cool and integral but i remember when uh evangelion got re-released and people were bitching about the uh the, how the music changed and then the end credits and all that i'm like yeah. what the fuck are you talking about i think that those songs for whatever reason they couldn't get the rights to the songs and then they just added some shit for amazon prime because those the, the the opening number, the little rock song, sounds like yeah. fucking Ted Nugent or some shit. It's <laughs> fucking distractingly bad. Yeah. Yeah. But just which because the rest of the movie is so like impeccably scored and like it also means that they use silence really yeah. sparingly and like to effect. Yeah. Like at the very end when the uh castle blows up that la- that moment of silence as the like missile drops is so powerful because this movie's been loud as fuck up until then and instead for that opening number we get motherfucking a bad company b-side <laughs> <laughs> we get a donna summers b-side for the exit but other than that uh, the, the rest i was like nah this is just credit shit i don't fucking but there's care. quite a there's quite a few like important songs in the movie though like there's the woman playing in the bar who has like a very specific song and the that the song... robot the time robot who, who oh my God. dies with a guitar in her arms <laughs> loved it that's i actually rewound that that one because like this song is like just some shit that i would listen to when i'm just sitting at home drunk pretty. by myself listening to sad music yeah i was like fuck this is fucking incredible like, you gotta add it to your sad birthday playlist yeah, I need to find out who uh, who like actually made that song and see if it's like available anywhere. And yeah, listen to it when I'm being sad at home on my birthday for hashtag sad birthday. It was Space Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> no, no, no. But if this movie was made today, that's exactly who it would be. Mm-hmm. Well, now I just want a Space Phoebe Bridgers album. That would be real dope just all you would need to do with her new one is just add a theremin to it 
Oh shit! Hey, make that happen. All you right, yeah, the, I will literally do you that. You have the tonight. capacity. That's not something that I can do, but I feel like you could go through that whole album and add theremin. Oh, I would be lying if I said I didn't have multiple theremin uh, plugins on my Logic. <laughs> Please do this. He also oh, has a lot were. of a uh, lot of marimba, a lot of theremin, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of steel drum. Okay, oh, totally. big steel drum boy. There, there is actually a lot of marimba and steel drum in the score to this movie. Enough that I was like, "Hold on, that, you were into it." Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah, I was super into it, but like, I feel like marimba is an instrument you don't really hear much outside of a like, like a Casio keyboard. Yeah, like a Casio keyboard or like a Margaritaville. Margaritaville or like the score to Pirates of the Caribbean, you know? <laughs> no, nope, not a lot of marimba in Pirates of the Caribbean score. Really? I feel like a lot of... Nope. Oh, you know, in my head, I think I'm conflating the Pirates of the Caribbean score with uh, the score to Banjo-Kazooie. You know what? Which is You know what? Marimba. I can see how you make that mistake. But, uh, yeah, no, I definitely... There's no... My uh, high school marching band did Pirates music. Hell yeah. So, trust me, they had those xylophones. They would have fucking leaned the fuck into that shit if there was enough uh, marimba to be used. Oh, yeah. Okay, uh, so let's no go on no go ahead i was just gonna be i was just gonna make a joke and it was not gonna be funny <laughs> uh so let's talk about the pirates shall we yes How, let's. oh well i mean they're first off i didn't realize they were two different pirates for like an embarrassing long time <laughs> i knew one was a lady and one was a man i just thought they were on the same ship no one's a cute boy and the other one's a cute girl and, and like, they have scars in the exact same places. And one is in love with a midget. And they only have two face models, one for women and one for men in this entire movie. And what they did for the boy is they just made the pirate man face younger. <laughs> I thought for half this movie that he was supposed to be the kid's dad. <laughs> or like the kid from the future. Oh. But this I was mean... not that kind of movie. It definitely wasn't. It's definitely more straightforward. And there's literally nothing that you can put onto this movie that isn't just in the movie. Yeah. For for as much as this is a film that, like, is about the sort of bigger questions of, of mortality. It and is not subtle. Existence. Oh, yeah. It's not subtle and it's not particularly deep either. Yeah. They like, ask the questions and then answer them immediately. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> That's the it's, what a satisfying, satisfying narrative arc. Right? Hmm. That's why AMAs are so great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's fucking amazing. It's like, well, what if, uh, would you still be human if you uh, removed your humanity? Nope. Moving on. Pirates. <laughs> and, and there's never any ambiguity in it. It's just like, this is exactly how the universe works. Oh, well. Yep. I'm just going to shoot at this pirate off of a moving train. Oh, yeah. Blow like, a hole it, in the side of the spaceship with my gun. And- and it might just be because this this kid did grow up in a wild techno future, but he takes everything kind of at face value when he's just being constantly deceived. I mean, it kind of works out for him, though, right? Oh, it super does. But, like, maybe that's not the lesson you want to learn at that age. He saw his mom get murdered in front of him by fucking robots. Yo, that they actually showed her, though, on the wall later was fucking creepy as hell. That shit. That. 
every time I watch this movie, that shit fucks me up. Because I'm like watching it, I'm like, this movie is fucking bonkers. And then I, I forget about that part. And I'm like, ah, oh, wait, they put this motherfucker on the wall. He said he was going to do it, and they showed you, bro. Like, this movie is wild, but it's it's rarely brutal until that moment where you're like, oh, oh, oh this fuck. is rough. Yeah. Mm. Should I have discovered that a dude who lives upstairs from us? Uh, so I've always suspected that there's at least one, like, shitty Trump person in our building after I heard them cheering uh, during some stuff uh anyway i think it might be the person who lives upstairs because i went to deliver a package upstairs for somebody today and realized that the person who lives above us has fucking uh not directly above us but anyway they got a fucking mounted deer head on their wall like right next to their window so that scared the shit out of me whoa the tall guy <laughs> no oh, okay i don't know who lives in this apartment oh fair I, I just wanted to point out that I just there's somebody's somebody in our apartment's building has a deer head mounted alarmingly close to their front window is he a robot or a pirate? I don't know. I would say robot because he also had uh, around his like eye thingy for looking through your door the symbol from the fucking um I don't know some nerd video game shit. It, well, like maybe one what, of what, the or maybe I I can't gold, it, it's like eye? a no, no gosh, Madden it's Madden yes, two thousand six exactly Madden two thousand six. His his uh peephole was right in the middle of the right in the middle of the six. Nice. I mean, he sounds now, like a pretty cool guy. Uh, it's like a hexagon or an octagon, but it's made out of a bunch of lines. Or maybe oh, that's lost. Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, for sure. Is oh, that what it is? No, guys, I'm sorry. Dharma I'm thinking of Banjo and Kazooie again. Damn it! <laughs> a boy in his blob. Is that the game? You <laughs> I mean, Trump fans are notoriously into. Uh, the game A Boy and His Blob. <laughs> I thought they were more into worms. <laughs> Fair. Snake from those old Nokia phones. <laughs> <laughs> the, like, Super Mario game that someone had made for uh, our graphing calculators. <laughs> this guy is so cool. <laughs> they big fans of bonkers. <laughs> Uh, the, speaking of the, the, the question of pirate or robot, uh, one of my favorite parts of, of this movie, maybe my second favorite after the stuff on Pluto with that uh, robot lady, was the stuff with uh, the old lady's son who looks like Space Paul Williams, who is dying of some unknown space malady and forces this eight-year-old boy to essentially kill him and shoot his consciousness into a spaceship. I which, think that was so probably that the one the part... He loves. Uh, well, yeah. I'm just like, yeah, that's the one part of the movie I was like, did, did, did we need to see this? Like, what? Yeah, we super did. Yeah, I, don't really, like, I don't really know what that added to. <laughs> nothing. It offered no closure to the mom. It offered, like, there was, like, the the... It, it was disappointing for the uh the, the pirate lady so like it was pretty much just it? so that the pirate dude could end up with the bird uh, okay Which I, I hate ultimately to be the bearer of bad news but yeah. you're both wrong uh this is okay. one of the most thematically integral parts of the whole thing okay um, because it really it, it's why it's, it's just the reverse of... he gave up his human it's the same thing he gave up his human body to become a machine it's just that the machine is a spaceship well, it, it's it's a different take on it. 
it shows that that th this concept exists elsewhere in the in the universe. That like the idea of being reborn and like putting your consciousness into other things uh, exists is, as a kind is of larger bad. idea. That's the whole point of the movie. So like well, fucking it, Knight Rider. Uh, yeah, that... I guess. I just thought it, so I basically liked he it, wanted okay? to be Knight Rider. He did want to be Knight Rider, and he succeeded because he got to talk to uh, his girlfriend again as a spaceship. I mean, who whoops among us doesn't want to be Knight Rider? Shit, I don't. I want to be. Hey, do y'all remember that cartoon about that? Uh, and it was probably on for like four episodes, but it there was a cartoon where a kid, anytime he, uh, I think he got wet or something, he would turn into a fucking car. Yeah, I was gonna say, are you about to talk about Teen Car? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I thought I, am I made a hundred percent aware about that. For so long. I have somehow never heard of Teen Car. It's uh, I, that's not what it's called. Um, but he, it's 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 wild. Basically, that's it's, the plot of what you just described. I've for sure seen the Turbo Teen. Turbo Teen. Turbo Teen. I'm like, they talk ah. about it all the time on Mabim Bam. I know it's real. <laughs> yeah. Turbo Teen. And it, yeah, if you watch the animation of Turbo Teen turning it into a car, it's horrifying. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not something you'll soon forget. No. Uh, so... Is there anything, uh, do you have any recommendations for, if, if people enjoyed Galaxy Express, uh, Tray 9, uh, what are, do you have any other rec recommendations for, like, things that might scratch a similar itch, or do scratch a similar itch for you, be it aesthetically, or just other anime, or... I think it would, I would probably be, I would lean towards, like, something that's, like, a, like, more, like, story shit, because I do, like, just you know, anime where it's just people fighting. That's the whole point. I like that. Uh, but I think that some animes that are like a little more slower paced, a little more adventure, um, I think, uh, or just weird fucking shit to watch. Like, I think Paprika, that's a, a classic. I'm sure um, it's probably been mentioned if anybody ever talked about anime. Uh, everybody fucking likes Paprika. Ooh, Sam Weller did a whole episode, but that one didn't yeah. come up. I don't uh, think. Fucking Akira. I mean, yep. you gotta watch Akira. That's, that's didn't just you just watch Full Metal Alchemist? Because that's the next one I was thinking of watching. I, I did. I finished Full Metal Alchemist, but then when I told everybody that I finished it, they were like, nah, bro, you gotta watch Brotherhood. And my understanding Isn't is that... Isn't that the same fucking story? That's, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I'm not rewatching this because it's fucking drawn better or it has a couple different moments. I'm like, no, I'm not rewatching this fucking 50 episode fucking TV show. So I I'm still, a... I've been watching Fairy Tale for like five goddamn years, all right? I ain't got time to rewatch the same show twice. I definitely don't have time for that. Fairy Tale is one of those ones, though, that I watch it in batches because it's one of those ones where an episode, a season will be like 90 episodes, but like, 12 episodes will be one battle. <laughs> so it's basically Which is like the most anime-ass thing. You know, I, I kind of wish... I'll watch like those 12 and then come back like a year later. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very Japanese thing to do the like recap movie or the like we're just going to do the whole season in two hours movie. And like, honestly, as, as I've gotten older, I... I wish that was a thing we would do in the States, too. Like, I wish I could just, like, go to the movie theater and see The Wire in two and a half hours, you know? 
or like I'm, see yeah, Game yeah. of Thrones in in a little bit and not have to like you know waste seventy hours of my life. Just the good parts. I yeah, just the good parts. If it, if it's something that I'm not super invested in, like I don't fucking want to see all of this. Like at, at, at this point, either you've watched it or you haven't watched it. We need we need more Cliff Notes movies. But uh, real quick, I do have one recommendation that I feel like isn't like a, a general one. Yeah. Um, and this, in uh, like 1999 or 2000, something like that, me and my brother had just started kind of listening to like rock music and punk rock and shit like that. And so we were just like, oh, all this kind of weird shit going on that we didn't know existed. Sci-Fi Channel used to have, uh, like they had for one weekend, they showed nothing but anime. And that's where I found Galaxy Express. They also showed a movie called uh, Urusai Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer, that mm-hmm. I've been trying to find for over 20 years because I couldn't remember the title. All I could remember was that it was high school kids and that there was a giant turtle. So I would ask people, hey, do you know the movie? with the high school kids and the turtle. Turns out they all have high school kids and they all have turtles. I had to do some research. I Googled <laughs> sci-fi marathon. Late I'm 90s, looking at it on Wikipedia now. And I went through the synopsis of every single thing that came on the uh, Wikipedia entry for like the sci-fi block that they did, uh, or the anime block that they did for the sci-fi channel. Mm -hmm. And I came across that and I was like, is this it? And I watched it and it was it. And it's still fucking perfect. It's a beautiful movie. Those are my two favorite anime movies. Fucking incredible. What was the title of that one again? I'm looking at it. It is called Yurisai Yatsura 2, Beautiful Dreamer. Uh, It is a 1984 Japanese anime fantasy comedy film. Uh, second film in the Yurisai Yatsura film series based on the manga of the same name. Its predecessor uh, was called Only You, and it was released in 1984 during the second season of the series. And I've never seen it and have no intentions to. Well, apparently you might not need to because it says, while Only You was more faithful to Takahashi's original manga and anime series, Beautiful Dreamer was a significant departure with Oshi placing an emphasis on deeper philosophical issues. Nice. Like fucking so it's another philosophy. It's another philosophy movie. Maybe I'm just a deep dude. Y'all ever think of that? Maybe I'm just mm. fucking deep as fuck. You know what I mean? I mean, That's we know true. that. I mean, deep that, squad. D- deep squad. Hashtag deep squad. Hell yeah! Sorry, now I'm reading about this. I mean, I do. I do listen to it a lot. It was written by the director with no consultation from the dude who created the series. You know what? Oh, good. good for him. He was like, I'm going to make a better movie than you. You you fucked this series up, but it has potential. And, I mean, homeboy can't be mad at him. Yeah, he says some... in 2008 during an interview, he said he felt joy making the film because at that time he finally understood how to make a film. <laughs> I, I love the idea of a, a motherfucker just liking something to say, oh, I, I, I know how to do this now, so I like it. That's some very like Hollywood energy. Like, oh no, I'll just I'll just make it better. Yeah. <laughs> According to the commentary, apparently there's commentary. Uh, he says that some of the film's designs were inspired by M. C. Escher. Oh, I can see that. That sounds dope totally as shit. That. I'm yeah. still talking about this other movie, not this movie, not not Galaxy. Oh, oh okay. 
Talk still talk about Urasai yet, sir. Too beautiful yeah, dreamer. I am. Beautiful sorry, I'll look up. I'll look up nine nine. Dreamer. I'm sorry, three nine, three well, nine. If, if if one more motherfucker says nine nine nine, I know, right? I'm sorry. Film versions. Apparently, the next one is there are two films. The second one is Adieu Galaxy Express three nine, and it is a 1981 sequel. And here's the thing about that. I don't care. <laughs> I, no, no, I, I do like it. I've seen it a bunch of times. Oh, okay. I used to own the uh, Blu-ray when I had a TV. Uh, it's fine, but it's kind of identical to the original, uh, regular, mm-hmm. just the regular Galaxy Express with like just different characters and slightly different stops along the way. But it's yeah. pretty the same. I think it's worth watching once if you're oh, yeah. interested. It's All right, so he's 15 fun. in the sequel. Let me see how old he is. It, no, wait, the sequel takes place. I was right. He's 12. The sequel takes place three years after the original, and now it says he's 15. He is 12. Still doesn't make it, still doesn't make it better that he gets a deep kiss from his robo-mom. That's but true. It's not, that's, just, that's just one of her bodies, though. Yeah, it is. But it's but she's also like very old compared to his 12-year-old-ness. It's weird on a lot of levels. We, I think it's we, weird that everybody's a tall skinny white lady what if you don't like that's what i said they only had one they literally it's like the animators only had one female model and one male model i think my man was just like look i like what i like all the girls and all the robot girls all looked like the mom every woman in this movie looked like the mom yeah it's like uh tarantino showing feet all the time it's like oh you know what hell yeah good for this movie turns out it was the highest grossing film of 1979 in japan hell yeah huh Okay. I wonder what else came out. Not that I would recognize. And it was the first film, it was the first anime film to receive theatrical distribution in the United States. Huh. So maybe, not only am I deep, but I also like have like an intrinsic understanding of like things that people are going to relate to. Hell yeah. There you go. That's true. You're a trendsetter. It's because you're so patient and grounded. I think so. That might be it. Just in my everyday life. When I give somebody a recommendation, I'm like, you know what? You like anime. Watch watch Galaxy Express. I think you'll like it. There Come you back go. for a little more. You might even be into it. Whoa. Oh, shit. Ham. All right. Anyway, <laughs> on that note, hey, Dom, if people wanted to find you on the internet, where could they do that if you would like to share? You can do. Uh, you can find me at, at the Dom Johnson on uh, all the, the the social medias. That's what it is at the Dom Johnson. I'm, He's a good I'm follow, y'all. Yeah, so I'm very fire funny. music recommendations. Oh yeah, constant, constant, constant music recommendations. Hell yeah, Brandon. Uh, yeah, same as always. Uh, you can find me at Hell Yes Brandon on all of the stuff. I've got some tracks on SoundCloud. I've got uh, some video stuff on the YouTubes. Uh, yeah, you've all heard it a million times by now. I have nothing really new to promote because uh, we're not my, allowed to leave. We're not allowed to leave. Do stuff for shows. But no. you know, you've been doing some stuff with the pack, though. You've been on some Twitch shows, right, Dom? Oh yeah, uh, yeah. I've, I've been doing some shows. I've been making out with robots. Hell yeah. You know, but that's just like on your own private time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Now was it was that robot also somehow your mom? Uh, no, it was because uh, all the robots I make out with are uh, e- even though, like just really tall, super skinny white ladies. Yeah, 
or makes sense. No, but his mom, mom his mom uh, does show up in the comments when he's on uh when he's on shows and it's very sweet. <laughs> Through yeah, a translator. And now, she, and now she won't watch him because the last show I talked about uh buttholes and pussies almost oh. immediately. <laughs> And she texted me and was like, well, I, 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 I got to go. Have, have fun. Aww. I was like, I forgot you was a watch it. Oops. Whoops. The magic of improv. It just, you got to go where it takes you. Mm-hmm. And it often takes you to buttholes and pussies. <laughs> I, pretty regularly. Uh, no improv show has ever gone blue. <laughs> yeah, well, you know what no improv show ever does? Have a fucking tarp sketch. That is true. So well, it's at least got that going for it. Actually, untrue. Every show at the Del Close Marathon after about 2 a.m. was also a tarp sketch. That <laughs> is true. Gross. Absolutely gross. Y'all are disgusting. Speaking of tarp sketches, babe, if uh, people want to find you on the internet. Wow. Wow. I'm sorry. We're going to talk sorry. about that later. <laughs> That's upsetting. That's upsetting what you've just implied about me. All right. Uh, you can find me on the internet at, at bscores with an underscore at the end because some motherfucker has my username. Uh, and you can find the show online at, at IntuitPod on Twitter. And I think you'd be into it on Facebook. You can follow the hashtag IntuitPod on Instagram, uh, where we post for my account because I didn't feel like making another Instagram account three years ago. And here we are. Uh, you can, Thank you as always to Kalen West and Tiny Stills for the use of our theme song. Starting over is a lot like giving up off the album Falling is Like Flying. That's all I got. No plugs in the apocalypse. <laughs> nice. Yep. Yeah. Now let's go go find a robot to fuck. Hell yeah. <laughs> 2020, Woo! maybe. 2020, we fucking robots. Yeah. All right. All of all of that being said, space cast over. <laughs> <laughs>